Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. Storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're... You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines. Trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Alright, Matt. So, we were thinking on this episode... We would do something kind of fun and and, and something kind of special. Oh yeah, um, something we've been excited about all week. That's right. That's right. We're now we've just had now two episodes of uh, the latest season. Something of, we are both huge fans of. Right, and that's uh, yeah. Game of Game Thrones. Game of Thrones, one of my favorite books, man. Right, right, Love and it. you've seen the you've seen the series, right? Like you've seen the latest episodes. Like, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think is going to happen? I see. You know, I see like. Like the commercials and stuff, you know. I, like I hear about Wait. them. Like people tell me about it. Like it's pretty. No, but cool. you're but you're you're a huge Game of Thrones fan, right? But uh, one of the biggest, man. Yeah, but yeah. so so you so obviously Snow, right? yeah so obviously you're you know you're you're caught up you know R plus L equals J. I've caught up. Yeah, uh, Dance of Dragons. Can't wait for uh, the new one coming out. Come on, R Martin, where's it at? Yeah, but but I know you, I know you've seen the books, but but you're you're up to date with the seasons, right? Like. We, we've now had two episodes of season eight, you know, the, the last four episodes and, uh, you know, the white walkers are on the march. Like you, you're caught up, right? I'm, I'm going to, I look, man, I, I have HBO, but I can't find my password. Uh, and it, I like for HBO go and, um, I've been looking for it and I'm, I mean, Matt, I hear the show, I hear it's a good show. Matt, I can't, I can't even. What? You, no, you, you've got to go. What? You just gotta go. What? Come on, man. (laughs) Listen, this is a Game of Thrones special. You have to have seen Game of Thrones. Go, go. Here, here's what I'm gonna do. You go watch the last seven seasons, and catch up, and then we could talk. Oh. Go. Just, just go. I can't. I can't even. All right. No. All right. No. You're right. You're right. It's show's been out for like. Seven Over years. Seven years. I, I don't even know that. I'm so sorry, man. I thought it was like, I knew it had been out for a few years. Like I heard folks talk about it. I, our, no, you're right. Go, you're right. Go, do, go, do your, go do your homework. I'm going. I'm going. We'll see you when you're done. All right. I'll see you next week. Okay, this week on the Grindhouse podcast, we have Lee Martin Brown joining us from the band Evil Walks. Hi! And on this eve of the Battle of Winterfell in season eight, the final seasons of Game of Thrones, we are going to be looking back at what made this show just so great and our excitement for tonight's Battle Royale for the, for the for Westeros against the Army of the Dead. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I'm literally just checking my watch. I'm meant to be going to a Game of Thrones watch party at 7. And I said to them last night, guys, I don't know if I can wait till 7. Like, I think I might have already started watching at 6. And then they're not impressed with me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And the, the great thing about this battle is that it has... I mean, the, 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 the cold open of the very first episode introduces the idea of the White Walkers. 
And while it's so easy to get distracted with the sort of the political intrigue and the and the um, conspiracy and the backstabbing and uh, with for the for the right to sit on the Iron Throne, while that's distract us, you know, the Cersei's and everything, the looming threat of the dead of the White Walkers has always been there and has just sort of slowly ramped up as the season has progressed to this moment. Yeah, I feel um because I rewatched everything recently. I feel like especially like especially in the first maybe four seasons even, it was very easy to forget that White Walkers existed. Right, absolutely. Like I think there's a whole I mean, they touch on it obviously with the Night's Watch because there's the whole love story with Igrid and everything. Right. But even the threat from over the wall is the wildlings, the wildlings. Then they, you know, mention the White Walkers, and that's about it. And I don't think it's until we get back into maybe the seventh, the sixth, and the seventh season when it becomes a real threat. Yeah. Because I, you know, even rewatching it, because um, I rewatched it with my mum. You know, we're doing the second season, we're coming, and then the third, we're coming up to the Red Wedding. And she's like, well, who do you think's going to, you know, I'm trying to answer all these questions. And even I was just like, White Walkers, what White Walkers? Right. <laughs> well, that's that's the crazy thing. Like, I, I didn't get into the show until season, f- uh, right before season four. Me too. So I, I um, like, I've always been a fan of those sort of what I call sword and sandal type shows. You know, there's horsebacks and swords and magic and dragons. And I love those things. But let's be honest, for a long time, those movies were horrible. They really were. Or like, just, just like, just cheesy. Yeah, right. I mean, you had your exceptions. Like, I think Kroll was awesome in the 80s. I didn't see that. Um, I think, obviously, The Lord of the Rings. Although, I, I do, in retrospect, think they, they could have been two movies, not three. Oh. Hot take. Oh, mate, of course. Of course. Same as The Hobbit. One movie. We didn't need two for that. Right, right. Or was it three? Was it three for The Hobbit? They did make it three. Oh, yeah, God. they really stretched out. It's too much. He has enough money. Right, and then and then and one of my favorite sci-fi fantasy films is Willow, which I think is way underrated. Mm, yeah, no, I still haven't seen that one either. But oh, you've never seen Willow? No, I haven't seen oh, Willow. I'm you sorry. should. We'll watch that. Okay. It's great. Okay. It's, it's basically if you took the best elements of Lord of the Rings and you mm. filtered it through George Lucas's eyes mm, with a okay. young, handsome um, Val Kilmer. Oh, I'm sold. I'm yeah, sold. It's Val's great. in it, my boy Val. Young, young Val. Oh, young, young still thin. Val. Not Marlon Brando in his later years. Oh, Val Kilmer. Oh God, I love Val. Let, let's have a moment of silence for Val Kilmer's young self. Okay, that's enough. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but other than the, the other than you know the the odd and end movie that came out that was really good for the most part up until Lord of the Rings, it was mm-hmm. just not a genre that had been given a lot of respect, certainly not the budget to make it work, and and by its very nature, it requires a large budget. But with Game of Thrones, there was some mild interest maybe, but it was one of those I'll get to it maybe down the line, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had a coworker come up to me and say, "Listen, have you seen Game of Thrones?" And um, this would have been post Red Wedding. I said, no, I don't know. I mean, you know. He said, no, no, I have season one. If you're not hooked, fine. I won't bug you anymore. But you just just watch the season. And I could not put it down. Yep. And then I went and got season two. And then I got season three. And then I was fully caught up. And, and then I've been on since season four. Yep. I, I'm exactly the same. I, I had... I knew that I'd like it and someone said to me, you know, it's going to be a commitment. I was like, I don't have time for this. And then I finally sat down um, right before season four. I did the same with the books. I found myself going, like I went through a book and a half in one day at one right. point and I was, it got to like six in the morning. I was like, I need to go to sleep. Like, well, what do you, what do you think is the appeal of Game of Thrones? Um, I think the appeal of Game of Thrones is it's, it's similar to Harry Potter in the way, I mean, 
it's not similar at all, but it, I think it's... It's a fantasy world yeah, building for sure. It's similar in a way that the characters seem real and the stories you're really invested in. The writing and the writing of the show and the writing of the books is so compelling. Right. And the way it's done is is beautifully done and it really connects you to the characters. It's not... It's not like a fantasy series. It's like, this is Ugg from planet Oberon and he did this. Right, and, right. you know, you're like, okay, cool. I have no, like, he looks good with his shirt off. Yay, hope he doesn't die. Right. Um, you know, it's similar to the way with the, even the Marvel universe. There's, I mean, not, I mean, I don't feel the same level of connection to that universe, sure. obviously. But you, Well, you wait till you watch Endgame. No oh, spoilers. I'm, I know. I was meant to say <laughs> that. Don't, anyway, let's not even start on that. So, yeah, I think that the, the writing's so compelling that even people who are not into fantasy can be really into it because at the... At its crux, even though it is a fantasy show, it's a, it's a show and a story about human relationships, um, social interaction, socio, like socio-political themes. You know, you could sit down and think that it's, you know, change the costumes and get rid of the dragons and it could be set in, like, you know, modern day. Washington, D.C. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's right. I think at the, at the end of the... What, what has made this show so compelling and has led us to this point... Is that uh, at its core you have Jon Snow, right? Mm-hmm. Who it's 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 a it's the classic hero journey. The the small farm boy. He's not a farm boy, but he's he's a bastard. He he comes from low low upbringing from the standpoint that even though he's sort of part of the Stark family, he's not really. Yeah. You know, and he's always ostracized because of that. So that's very relatable, and his journey to uh, to reach his destiny. Right. Exactly. That's that's the overarching theme of the series. But then we have the the central conflict of who will take over the throne, and that is very much a political uh, yeah. the- uh, a thriller. Political drama. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's House of Cards. Exactly. It's who's who's sleeping with whom, who's who's uh, plotting to kill the other person, and that intrigue I think brings in even the casual person. Who might not be like me, who has a Dungeon and Dragons handbook and has been meaning to open that so that I can learn how to play, right? That's only a small portion of the fan base. I think the larger portion is the one that's driven into the more salacious aspects of the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's there really is something for everyone. There's even, you know, from a from a feminist standpoint, mm. you know, you've got Aya or Arya, depending on what your Aria. pronunciation mm-hmm. is. Yeah, Arya. For those of us in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she's she has a gender role that she needs to fit into, you know, right. she has to be a lady of the castle. Yeah, she's like, Fuck that. I'm a I'm a, like have a sword and stab people and then she you know, we get to see her jo- journey like, you know, truly becoming who she is as a character and even better people accepting it. Which, yeah. You know, and even ta- even in that last episode, we saw her, like, really take control. Be well, like, I'm, I'm a virgin. I don't want to be a virgin. Like, I'm going to get my fuck on pretty yeah, much. Yeah, well, that's that's funny that you made. Like, that, that's a great example of taking the character of Arya because mm-hmm. she is a character that doesn't neatly fit into the themes of what it means to be a woman, especially within this genre. Mm-hmm. I think the show has taken a lot of flack maybe justified and it's in some of its treatment of women there's there's certainly a fair amount of rape that occurs in the show yeah. including many of them if not all the main cast members having female cast members either having been raped or being threatened with rape yeah so that's that that's a legitimate issue that, that the show has um been dealing with but if you look at a character like aria who like you said doesn't fit normal social norms she's not conforming to those she's found her path and it would be really easy to take a character like that and just make her the um 
somewhat masculine tomboy forever. But this last episode I thought was really great because it brings it full circle. She is still, while she she's she was never going to be the the fine gown and the tea time and the you know the the lady mm-hmm. she was never going to be lady of Winterfell. Winterfell, right? But she still has she still has desires and needs of a woman. She she wasn't just a a a boy without a penis. She yeah. is actually uh, that would be. Um, oh, which one, Theon or Grey Worm? Theon. That would be Theon. All of the unsullied. Theon is a boy without a dick. Yes, he Not is. Arya. That was brutal. Arya is a woman, and yeah. she has needs. And I thought that it was really great that she was able to represent that she's able to represent a very round and complex character that maintains her her femininity, mm-hmm. but also pushes against what that means and and is balanced in yeah. all sides of it. Yeah, I like that because uh, previously in the show, anyone who was, you know, kind of on the same journey as Arya, like we saw the Sand Snakes. Right. You didn't like the Sand Snakes. They were bitches. I mean... I mean, eventually you did, but like, you know, the, the head one, you know, she was seen as being like really promiscuous and, you know, kind of just... she Obviously, she was devastated because, you know, Oberon was killed... But she wasn't seeing sense, and then she murdered. You know, she murdered like an innocent girl who had nothing to do with it. You're like, you're a bitch. Like, you know what I mean? So it's this is the first time we're kind of seeing a representation of a aside from Brienne, but Brienne's different. Um, you know, and I did want to point out like the thing I do like about Game of Thrones, and I know like they did they did tone it down from the books, but you know we do have to remember this is a show that's set in technically medieval times, right? And I do like the fact that they haven't shied away from what really happened because I think something that um, something that happens so so much in our culture is if something's bad, we don't talk about it. Right. And a lot of people, like obviously people do, but I think the a lot of people don't understand the ramifications of what happens if bad things happen. Yeah. So I do like the fact that they have been able to because that that does happen to women and men. It happens yeah, right. to men as well. Um, and I, I do like the fact that they haven't shied away from you know. Even though it's brutal sometimes, like, yeah, you need to know that because it's medieval times. Like, I think, I think everyone, that happened. People raped and well, pillaged and well, I think people. I think we've become a little accustomed of trying to view the past through modern lens. Yeah. And while that's important to avoid it for the future, I think that if you erase the realities of a certain time period, you do it a disservice. And I know this is a fantasy film, but it is very yeah. much based on English politics. Yeah, and you know? they, they did do it. Well, the, um, they based it off the, was it the War of the Roses? Yep, I've yeah, I've heard that. They based it off the War of the, obviously there were no dragons in the War of the Roses. I mean, it's just, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't was. there. I don't know. It's like Helen of Troy. Maybe there were, you know, that, that happened too. So I think it's, anyway, but I, yeah, I, I think it's really important. And I'd say to anyone who has a problem with it, like, you know, you can stick your head in the sand all you want, but it's like watching, it's like, watching Disney movies and then redacting them. It's, you know, you have to, this is part of our past. And while it's a disgusting, like part of it, it's absolutely disgusting. I think it's, you know, people need to know to be like, you know, changing the events of certain world wars. You can't change them. You have to know about them right. so we can avoid them. Cause otherwise people might be like, Oh, this isn't bad. No one's talked about it. I guess we can do this. Obviously. Right. And I think through the lens of seeing how things were, you get, uh, a reflect we you know on the podcast we've talked often about horror um, and how horror films reflect the social anxieties of the time period mm-hmm. right so if like, you look at the 80s and you look at slasher films they were very like don't do drugs don't have sex <laughs> you know very reaganistic yeah. in terms of its morality yeah look coming coming as a non-american like i love america i'll preface it with this but america is extremely conservative like 
fine with like killing a bunch of kids at school, but oh my god, do not have sex. <gasps> Shocking. Anyway, I'm from Australia. We're pretty. We're pretty. We're pretty chill. We're like <clears throat> relaxed. We're not liberal, but we're well. I am, but we're relaxed. Aside from them sort of reflecting back and and giving a a sort of reflection of how we are viewing these past events and how viewing this history. I think that there's also that, that sort of horror element to it, mm-hmm. right? There's that element of dread, of things oh, that yeah. coming in the dark. Often these these things that were in season one talked about as old fables, old stories from, from old Nan. The horrors that you heard about as a kid are real. Yeah, they're real and they're coming for you. And I think that's something that we can relate to. Yeah. I think that... Um, I think, again, to, to go back, one of the reasons why I think we talk about horror so much is because... Even outside of the genre of horror, a lot of the key things about horror that make them so appealing tend to also work in other genres. Yes. So, for example, Game of Thrones. Part of what makes it so easy to lose yourself in it is the mysticism of it. Yes. You know, dragons and zombies, essentially, and, you know, magicians and things of this nature, witches. These are all things that we can lose ourselves into that yeah. we um, move, you know, gravitate towards. Looking back, you read all the books, right? You yes. read some of the books? All of them. So, as, as a spin-offs. Oh, okay. Mm. Uh, so as as a as a as a book reader, um part of the reason why why Matt is not on this podcast is because Matt has actually only read the books and not watched the show at all. Oh, okay. That's okay. So, um but so as but as so, as someone who has both read them and watched the show, what is it easy to love both? Are there, I mean, are there big differences that, that are like just painful for you to sort of get through? Like, what's your take on it? Honestly, like, I, I did start by watching the show first. And when there was that massive gap um, at the end of season five after Jon Snow died, that's when I read the books. And, you know, usually, even if I do see, like, totally different genre, but I saw the movie Crazy Rich Asians flying home to Australia over December. Um and I was like, okay, this is a cool movie. And then I needed to like find a book to read. I read the series. I loved the series more than the movie. I was like, really? the movie's shit. Mm. Um, you know, so I'm always the person who prefers the books. When it comes to Game of Thrones, I love both. Um, but I think people have to go into it understanding. And I think this is what got a lot of the people who started on the books like riled up is that you have to understand they're two different universes. Right. So they, they do, they're very parallel until about the fourth book yeah. or the third, even starting in the third, and then they kind of go on two different roads. Mm. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, we see in our, you know, we see in the books, we have all of our favourite characters that we know and love um, in the TV series, uh, but then we have all these extra characters that obviously that they cannot put into the TV series because we'll be here for years. Which I might be okay with, but yes. Okay, like, de- <laughs> like decades even. Right. And there are some um, there are some storylines that they've totally left out, which I thought were very important storylines, and I was kind of bummed they left them out. Like, I mean, spoiler alert, but Catelyn Stark in the book, she doesn't stay dead. Lady Stoneheart, yeah. Yeah, she, um, yeah, Lady Stoneheart. They, you know, because... This and this is what gave me the biggest indication that Jon Snow would come back from the dead. Like I was arguing until I was blue in the face, but like no, he won't. No, he won't. I was like, yeah, he fucking will. Um, because you know the Red God is, and you know Thoros, 
Um, Thanos fucking, you know, wherever I am on that. Um, Not Thanos, that's a different it's, show. It, it's early. Um, yeah, so, you know, that that's a lot more of a big focus in the books. They talk yeah. about that a lot more, um, you know, because it is so important. Right. Uh, and Melisandre is so important. And all of those, you know, that religion becomes so important. And they actually... After the Red Wedding, they find Catelyn Stark's body in the river. It's been a few days and he, you know, sees and knows who he is. And even though despite his better judgment, because usually you shouldn't raise someone from the dead up if they've been dead too long, he brings her back. And all that's left is her love for her children and her husband and her hatred of anyone against them. Right. And the books kind of lead up, um, the books leave us on a cliffhanger, which is why I'm so pissed at George because he won't start. <laughs> George, look at this. Um, he's, but, he's too busy hobnobbing with all the Hollywood friends that he's made. Yeah, and writing spin offs. I'm like, stop that. Stop. Yeah, right. Cease and desist. Um, yeah, because, you know, we, we're left like the, the, um, the Brotherhood Without Banners have captured Brienne and Jamie. Um, and you know, Brienne is trying to explain to Catelyn, like that he's going to, you know, set her daughter's free and Cat, all Catelyn will see, or Lady Stoneheart will see is that Brienne has, you know, is with a Lannister and that makes her an enemy and they're about to hang them. They're literally standing in the gallows about to get hung right. when we leave them in the books. Um, you know, so that's, that's a big storyline that I feel they shouldn't have left out. Another thing in the books that I understand why they left out um, but after reading the books, you're like, you little bitch. Like, I hope she dies in this in this battle. The whole reason, I mean, there's a lot of reasons this whole war started. But in the books, Sansa, because she's a fucking idiot, right. is the one who's who's the reason that all of this, like, Ned gets killed. Because when Ned comes to her and Aya um, right. and says, you know, I'm going to find you someone new to marry. We're going to go home, whatever. She goes, no, the prince, I love the prince because 10 year olds are idiots yeah, um, right. or 12 and she runs to Cersei and she tells Cersei she says my father's going to take us away he's planning to take me away from Joffrey like I love your son so much and she, Cersei pretends to be her friend and you know that's when she knows to buy because in the in the you know the series you don't really get like you, you, you get think a hint that, of it but but yeah. it, it's but downplayed it's little, a little bit yeah you think that Littlefinger did it right yeah like Littlefinger's like I told you not to trust me you know they don't really focus on the Sansa aspect you just think that she's you know annoyed um whereas it's actually Sansa and she's the reason that everyone gets killed she's the reason he's in jail and you know I think that that's why everyone's like poor Sansa but in the books I think that that's um the one thing about Game of Thrones is that eventually everyone does get their karma and uh, yeah. Sansa's and, been getting it for and, the whole thing well and I think I think that the show has done a really good job of making no character unscathed yeah both um from a from a life happening standpoint, but also from a karma standpoint, there's yeah. no real good characters in Game of Thrones. I mean, the closest you might get is John. Sam. Well, Sam. oh, Sam, sure, but like, but like in terms of the main characters, they're all pretty bad people. Yeah. Give de- depending on circumstance. Yeah, I think you John's know? been pretty good though. John's he has he has where where I think where where John's flaw is is that he has his honor supersedes his wisdom yes it does and much like ned stark john snow tends to make a lot of poor decisions yes and um while he is a good leader and obviously it is his story of fire and ice like it is it, his judgment is poor but if you yeah. look at like jamie jamie starts the show off with pushing um brand down yeah, off the off the tower thing. Um, you know, Cersei's obviously a horrible character. Mm-hmm. Um, she still never gets though. I don't think walking naked through the street was really a was really a punishment. No, and I have some. We can get into theories in a little while. And that's what I think is going to happen. Oh please! Um, but please. Um, 
you know, uh, most of the characters at some point or another have some deep, deep flaws. Arya's yeah. is Stone Cold Killer. Yeah, I mean, um, I, but to me, like, I and please, I, I and I am really not the person to ask because I'm like, anything where it's like, I'm always like, yes, the villain wants to win. This might be the only show I don't right. want the villain to win. Um, uh, To me, Arya's not a bad person at all. I feel like Arya has truly loved her family. Sure. And she wants revenge. You know, she yeah, doesn't he, senselessly kill people. Well... Sure, but, but you know, she has a, a she's got she's she's a war hawk and she's got yeah. a she's got a she's got a taste for yeah. vengeance I never and thought about that. and she doesn't really allow a lot of complexity. She doesn't really give people in yeah. in some ways she's a lighter version of Lady Stoneheart. Yeah, that's and I I do like that because I think that um yeah I it's funny after rewatching that like because this is my fourth rewatch of the show um. You know, I think I, I do like Arya's character and the fact yeah. that she doesn't have complexity because I feel like a lot of the terrible events that happen in this show is because the characters allow for complexity and they allow for a little bit of softness in their stance. Because, you know, we live in, again, we're coming back to this, we live in a modern sure. era. And in a modern era, we don't have, like, obviously we have families, but we don't have great houses to uphold. We don't mm-hmm. have, you know, and even politically, like, we don't have the kind of pressure that they had back then so you know we can allow for sympathy we can allow um to empathy you know in our decision making yes but uh, as a counterpoint look at Jon snow who yes has made poor decisions but but remember his sympathy for the wildlings yes and where would they be now in this final battle if not for his compassion um you know i think again this is the this is the beauty of the show because There's so many different points, and they can all be correct. They're all different points, and they can all be correct, and they can all be wrong, and and oftentimes be. simultaneously, and and that's what makes it interesting. It's really mm-hmm. difficult to say well this person's right or this person's wrong because they all make really horrible mistakes. Except for Joffrey. Joffrey's just a cunt. Joffrey was horrible. <laughs> Joffrey was very horrible. He's also the product of incest. That's true. And who knows what kind of mental issues yeah. he was born with? The other two were lovely though. So well, they, was a bit weak, but he was very yeah. That's the thing. Like all of Cersei's children, he was also he was also in the in the show in the books. Um, the thing is, I know all of their true ages because they don't really tell you in the show. Because if people knew the true ages of some of the characters, they'd be like, oh, pedophilia. Um, Tommen's like eight or nine. By the time he dies. By the time he dies, I think he might be ten or twelve. Yeah. He's not. He's not old. So well, they they definitely. I think they aged him up. Obviously, because yeah. I think in the books, John's sixteen. Yeah. In the, starts and, starts his journey at sixteen. Yeah, Sansa starts her story at ten. Arya starts at six. Oh no, Arya starts at eight. Yeah. So when Tommen dies, like, um, and they don't really, you know, he is a boy king. Yeah. And even like, even if he he becomes so taken with his wife because he's a child and she's like, I think she's fifteen or sixteen. Well, then again, this is this is where it talks about like going back and looking at a show of a different time period yeah. through the lenses of modern day. Yeah. And and you know, do film do filmmakers have a responsibility? To cater to a modern modern audience's sensibilities when talking about a period in the past. I think um, I think to depending on the story, like I like that they didn't give them a solid age. Obviously, even when playing children, they you know it would be wrong of them to cast children in these roles. Totally. Like, well, they, I, I mean, they did though. Arya was a kid when she started. That's true, but she didn't. She wasn't having sex with anyone. Well. And that's an interesting point because in this most recent episode, she does. Yeah, but she's like 17 or whatever. Age of consent in Australia is 16. I so. mean, she's 22 in real life. Oh, yeah, she's 22 in real but life. But what I'm saying is like we watched her as a child. Yeah. And um, the character who plays Godfrey, um, or Gendry. The Gendry. Char- the Godfrey. Char- what, what? Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, God. <laughs> the character who plays Gendry, he even, he's in his 
the actor who plays him is, is 30, 30 something. Yeah. And, and he, he was even saying like, it was a bit strange for him to be in that role with someone that when he, the show started was a little child. Was a little child. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't have maybe, and maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe this says something about me, but I didn't have a problem with that scene. I don't know why everyone was like up in arms about it. You know, we've watched Arya slit people's throats. We've right. watched her Well, kill. violence is okay in America, but sex is not. Yeah, and the thing is, it wasn't even like... We didn't... All we saw is kissing the side and saw a bunch of scars. Maybe it's a little bit of tasteful side boob and then some more yeah. kissing. And, you know, it wasn't a full-on sex no. scene. No, well, it never was. There's, yeah. a, there's a famous Mark Hamill quote. Uh, Mark Hamill of Star, Star Wars. Wars and uh, the Flash TV show and, of course, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, God. All I knew was Star Wars. Well, he, um, he wrote a comic book back in the 90s. And um, I remember it was having some controversy, and he said, in America, you can cut off a tit, you just can't kiss it. Mm. And, I, and that always stuck with me as a teenager growing up. It's like, that, that's sort of the way, you know, Game of Thrones, which has such gratuitous violence through it, is never really balked at, but, but the sexual scenes. Yeah. Is... And, and, and in fairness, some of them are intentionally provocative. Yeah. And, and some of them, I mean, you know, when Jamie essentially rapes Cersei, I think yeah. that's intentionally provocative and and meant to offend well in in the books that does happen but she she does the thing is in the books it's not even a rape scene she just says no because she's on her moon blood they talk a lot about moon blood in the show yeah right yeah she says she says because i rewatched this scene literally last week because i and i remember when i watched it it hadn't i watched it as it happened right um the first you know the first few times that i hadn't really given it much thought and everyone's like he raped her he raped her and i'm like what scene is this um you know because when um, so, and then I rewatched it and, you know, she's, he's just, he's, this is not excusing, p- please PSA, PSA crew. Um, you know what a PC crew, I'm not condoning rape. Let's just put that in there. Cause otherwise you're going to be like, who's that bitch? Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you've, you see him, he's, he's journeyed so far. It's been however long it's taken him a, a year or something to get back to Cersei. The only reason that he kills people and, you know, does the things that he does is cause he's trying to get back to his sister lover. Sister wife, whatever the fuck it is. Right. It's from the damn sound. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, he gets back and he's, you know, he's lost a hand because he found his honor somewhere. I guess you've got to exchange something for that. You're and, right. Yeah, and, you know, he's, you know, just so happy to see her and she doesn't want anything to do with him. She's like, you're too late. Like, she's being an, she's being a bitch. And he tries to kiss her and she's like, I don't want anything to do with you. And, you know, it's it's really heartbreaking for him and it's very cold of her, but I think she knows what she's doing. And, you know, it gets, you know, it's the death of their son. She He's trying to console her and she just doesn't want anything to do with him. And I think it's, he's just, he's not, like, it's not condoning. Like, it starts off as rape, but for him, he's, he doesn't realize he's rape. He's just doing what he used to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they used to do this all the time. And Cersei is not, when you rewatch that scene, Cersei's not particularly upset about it. She's just annoyed. She's like, stop, stop. And then eventually she's more like, oh, not here though. It's our son's dead. And then eventually she's like, ah, fuck it. Right. It's, it's, it's complex for sure. And it's engaging and it, it, it has, people are going to have a wide variety of opinions on that for various reasons and, and, and all valid across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are the those are sort of the water cooler moments that make you keep talking about the show. And some people might be highly offended about it, but it engages you and it yeah. draws you in. And um, I think the show has been filled with those kind of moments, yeah, it has. right? Very controversial, but very engaging because these things are complex. Yeah, you know. I think uh, 
Yeah, I think even after reading the books, like, I think the people who haven't read the books are like, oh my god, and the people who have read the books is like, chill. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because because there's a different level of detail that the books can provide in backstory and world and world setting. We talk about world setting a lot on the show because I think it's so so important. And I think that what sets the show apart from other sword and sandal shows is that it has you know Star Wars is a great example of a very simple hero's journey. Farm boy goes to rescue princess with the aid of an old wizard, overcomes the evil dark prince. Saves the day. Everyone's happy, right? Mm-hmm. Very simplistic. Very straightforward. Luke's not very complex character. Obi-Wan's not a complex character. You find out later that Vader is, but for the most part, everyone is kind of just yeah. an archetype. In Game of Thrones, you know, Jon Snow would be filling that Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. place, but he's really not... I mean, he's complex in his own right. Yeah. To the point where now, you know, again, a very uncomfortable subject within the context of the 21st century, but... The incest is free rampant in the show, yeah. and John is in love with his aunt. Yeah, and the thing is, it's even um, you know, people. It was okay to marry cousins, aunts and cousins is fine. Brothers and sisters, not so much. Right. So, unless you're a Targaryen, and then it doesn't really matter. But even within the Targaryen, that was part of their culture. Yeah, because they wanted to keep the bloodline pure, which is why there was so much insanity. But yeah, even you know, a lot of cousins were wed to cousins, and you know, things like that. It wasn't. That wasn't so bad. It was mainly the sister thing that they had a problem with, which, fair enough. Who was... I was just looking up an article the other day about um, what historical figures would have looked like. Mm-hmm. I saw using, this as Yeah, well. using 3D imaging. And I want to say it was King Tut, but they when they recomposited recompo- him, he had a club foot and some yeah. other deformities. And they said that one of those... One of the things that might have contributed to this was that the interbreeding, the interbreeding, and that and that yep. cer- certain royal families would have tried to quote unquote keep the bloodline clean. Yeah. They have that in England. Some of the royals do have uh, hemophilia because they did interbreed back in the 12th century or whatever, and it's you know, it's come back down. It's you know, it's, right. it's not a massive problem to have, but it's you know, it's not like we have club feet or anything. But it's yeah. But do so? Do you think? Um, like coming from the book's perspective, like, do you think there? The for example, I'll give an example. I had I was a coworker of mine had a theory that Gendry is Cersei's son. That if you uh, and I, I had to go, I would have to go back and and look at the dialogue. But maybe you remember from the books that uh, when Gendry talks about his mom, all he can remember is that she was a, a barmaiden. And I guess in the first season, there's some dialogue where Cersei says that Robert Baratheon would get drunk and sleep with every barmaiden he could find, and she would have to dress as a barmaiden to sleep with him. Uh, yeah, she's... I In the books, I think that was discussed. I don't think that's discussed in the show. In I the, think it's a brief throwaway line, but the yeah. other thing is, is that Gendry describes her mom as blonde and beautiful. Yes, I remember and that. that, that. And that in, I do remember in season one, when um, Cersei is talking to Catelyn, about uh, when Bran is in, before Bran wakes from his coma, yeah. how she had a son once and it died and died with dark hair. Yes, and, and so there was a theory that Gendry is actually the legitimate son of Cersei Lannister and Robert Baratheon, and that because he was Robert's, she got rid of him. Yeah, that that is a very interesting. I honestly, that's an interesting theory. I'm. That's something that. I feel like that's a fan theory. Like it could, in in essence, be true. But I feel like whenever it's come to th- fan theories, 
they've made it a little bit more obvious. Like it's a layman could watch the show and figure sure, out. Maybe. Um, I would like. Th- I mean, that would be very cool if that were true. It'd be an um, It would be. It would be a very interesting. Yeah. Reveal. I don't know this show. The show has now four episodes left. I don't know that it's going to have time to explore I, that. I don't think that that's going to be a theory because I, you know, again, I recently rewatched everything. The she talks about him sleeping with barmaids, and then she said by the time he'd stumble back to bed, I'd finish him off in other ways. All right. So that's the quote she said. So she she in essence because she's talking to Ned Stark about it, and she in essence says that she never would have allowed herself to become pregnant with Robert's child. Um, it's a conversation that happens in the when Ned reveals like you're fucking your brother. She's like ah oh, yes. And yeah. then she, you know, she pretty much divulges that she would never have allowed a true heir to be born. So interesting. So then imagine that, you know, you know what it was? Is that she dressed like a barmaid to meet with Jamie. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. She did. Yeah. She's, I, I think that, I definitely think that he's, um, he's illegitimate because she very much states, I think even in the, I think even in the books, I, look, it's been a while since I read the yeah, books. Right. I think even in the books she alludes to drinking moon tea, which is like the tea you drink to self yeah, uh, self. Right. Yeah, so whatever. Imagine. So I mean, I just think it like think of the irony that assuming that Arya and Gendry uh, live past this the Battle of Winterfell, that Arya ends up with the Prince of Robert and Cersei. Oh my God, that uh, would be. I don't think that they can have time for that. Right. I it's want, an, it's one. It's one of those interesting fan theories. It is a good. Fun. I had I actually had a very interesting fan theory on Cersei's death. Is that where we're going next? We can go next. Yeah, we can go okay. I, I, if you've got if oh, we've absolutely. got a list, I, I, okay. So it's actually from. No, Arya has the list. Oh, Ar- <laughs> I am Arya. Spoiler. <laughs> um, no, so it's my um, it's uh, my best friend's brother, who loves Game of Thrones almost as much as I do, had a very interesting theory. Um, it was kind of a poetic justice that the thing that kills Cersei is, isn't any of the characters we've met. It's she has the baby, mm. the one she's pregnant yeah. with, and it's a dwarf, and it kills her. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's so, interesting. And because of its size, it kills her, and she dies on her. She's still alive enough to see the child before she dies. That would be that would be very poetic. There is an allusion to um, to Tyrion killing Cersei. Yeah, he talks about the last episode where if he is to be turned into a. Um, a, a, a wraith. Well, the wraiths are the the risen dead. Yes. If you know that he would he would storm, he would storm. Um, uh, King's Landing. King's Landing, yes, and and kill her. Uh, there is. Um, I wonder because I feel like the show, the show has been promised to end on a bittersweet note, mm. and so what what could be more bittersweet than learning that the events of this entire eight seasons are cyclical. And by that, what I mean is we end where we began, just like the seasons, yeah. right? The, the big tagline is winter is coming, you know, the long winter, the seasons are spoken about. And like all seasons, winter will end, but will come again. Um, I could see a world in which Cersei has the baby and offers it to the to the Night King. Ah, that's a good theory. And that she actually becomes... You know, I do think that they will beat the Night King. I do mm-hmm. think that they will win, you know, whatever that means. They will win that battle that happens in a mere short hours. Mm-hmm. But um, but that Cersei will, will take that mantle as as yeah. all things must be equal. She'll be the Night Queen. She'll be the Night Queen and winter will come again. So what do you think, if we're just talking about theories, where do you think 
what do you think this how do you think this show ends right because that's what everyone wants to know so millions of fan theories out there some more intriguing than others but where do you see the dust settling I, I did have a pretty good theory for a while and now we're on to like four episodes to go and I was like, yeah, it's, it's not going to, it's not happening. Um, my original theory was because John is blood of the dragon mm-hmm. and Daenerys is also blood of the dragon. You know, we learned very early on that after she uses blood magic to try and save Khal Drogo, that she's like barren. She can't have a right. child. So my theory originally, um, at the end of last season was, you know, they, they sleep together, um, because he's blood of the dragon. He's able to like reignite whatever is going on down there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they do, she does become pregnant, um, you know, and she does have a child, but I was, I was going to say that either one or both of them end up dying mm. and but the child lives and Tyrion raises and they entrust it to Tyrion. They raise the child and it becomes the king or queen of all of the seven kingdoms. But Tyrion raises like his hand of the queen or king and, you know, tries right. to fix the realm in, in the years that it takes for it to grow up. Well, so here's my theory. My theory is that she turns into the mad queen. Yes, that's I actually that's another theory I agree with because it, she's getting a bit. Well, she's okay. So talking about characters and their complexity, she's always been a character that has sort of wavered between seeming like she's a megalomaniac and seeming very compassionate. Mm-hmm. Um, just when you think that she's starting to reach a breaking point, someone is able to bring in her inner circle is able to bring her back. Yeah. But as we learned in the last episode, she now realizes that she doesn't have a, the claim to the Iron Throne. Mm. This is a person who has been singularly focused since her brother was killed. And... She's been, you know, she literally has like 15 nicknames. Yeah. You know, she's a very important person in the world. But her her main her main goal and the, and the thing that will give her uh, a sense of purpose and completion is her ascending to, the, to, to sit on the Iron Throne yeah. and to be queen and to restore her family's honor. There's a very, very important question raised. I think it's by, um, what's John's friend? Sam. Raised by Sam. Where he asked, you gave up the king of the north crown for uh-huh. her, would she do the same for you? Yeah. And right as a re- revelation that, that John is in fact Aaron Targaryen. Yeah. That he She's is the, pissed. She, she is, but she hasn't had time to process because yeah. now the, the, the dead are at the doorstep. And I think you're going to see an hour and a half battle. This battle that we're about to see is supposed to be bigger than... Lord of the Rings, everything. Everything, TV right? TV and movie. And, um, but when the dust settles, you still have three, now, even if this, even if this battle takes two episodes, three hours to get through, mm-hmm. right? I think you still have two more episodes at an hour and a half each to resolve a lot of story yeah. points. Certainly you got to deal with Cersei. That's another big battle. That's a big one. And then I think you got to resolve Danny and John. And I think that there is a world in which I used to think that the way Game of Thrones would end would be that all the kingdoms would be destroyed. Because every major house is pretty much in rubbles at this point. Yeah. The only ones that exist are the... Stark, Targaryen. And the Lannisters. And the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've, yeah, and then you've got the lesser houses. I think they're all fair. I mean, yes, yes, the, yeah. the minor ones. But but all the major ones have been destroyed up into those three. Yeah. I think that... Um, you've still got a Baratheon, a half Baratheon, but I think... But again, get... Bastard, yeah. maybe legit, we don't know. Yeah, but, he's gone. You know, I think that this house battle is dead. gone. Yeah. yeah, so I used to think that the show would end with all the kingdoms being destroyed, that the Iron Throne would be destroyed, What you would get is a council and a move towards like a parliamentary type system yeah. and a move away from feudalism. 
But I go back to what, what George R. R. Martin said, which is that if you're looking for a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention to the show. Yeah. And that the ending will be bittersweet. And I think that John has never wanted to be royalty. No. I don't think he's ever wanted a role. You know, he was the knight's captain, and he, he, he sort of um, begrudgingly took on that responsibility. Mm-hmm. He was the king of the north and was willingly able to bend the knee to someone whom he found to be far more qualified to mm-hmm. rule. But what happens if, if my theory is right and Daenerys becomes the Mad Queen and she's had to put, be put down much like her father and there is no one else to rule but John, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it's a happy ending unless her death comes at his hand. and Which would suit because that would go with Azor's eye. I mean, he's already killed, like he did kill the wildling. He killed Ingrid? Yeah, he well, he didn't kill Ingrid, but Ollie did, and he held her as... So some people would see that as him, you know, being the cause of her dying, but if he really is Azor's eye who's going to beat the Night King, then I feel like, you know, that was a that was a trick for us, him, like, Ingrid dying. I feel like he might have to kill Danny. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It's There's so many things that could happen. But... I mean, imagine a world in which you're like, yay, John gets to the throne, but John is heartbroken. Yeah. John doesn't want the throne. He's a reluctant king. Yeah. He rules, but but he his happiness is sacrificed. You know, Danny is only interested in being the queen because her family has a right to that throne. Right, she's entitled. Yeah, she's entitled. That's why she wants it. She doesn't necessarily want it because she, you know, wants to make the world a better place. Right. She want and she wants to make everyone bend the knee or die right. at this stage. She's, you know, she's been the same. She's always talked about blood and fire and suffering and, you know, tried to save the slaves and, you know, be the be the martyr. Again, she's a complex character. She's very yeah. good in, in a lot of ways, but she's singularly driven by by one need. Yeah. And that's to ascend. Yeah, I think that if the to make sense, I think that she might have to die because John would be a, I feel like John would be the leader that helped the realm. Um you know, and even Sansa, like Sansa brought up the point in the last episode when, you know, Danny's trying to be like, oh, like you see a little bit of old Danny when she speaks to her. Right. And then Sansa's like, what about the North? And then you see that new Danny, that like iron hearted, like, fuck you. This is my, my world. Even though I've never lived here. The mother of side eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the mother of side eye. I, I also think that the Starks all end up monsters in, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, when you meet the Starks, they are good people. They are very content to live in isolation in the North. And through the show, for those who even have lived, they've started to transform. Mm-hmm. And, and their naivete has been stripped away from them. Yeah. And I think what you already have is you have Arya, who's a cold-blooded killer, driven by vengeance. I think you have, um, um, you have Sansa, who is, a, who is a ruthless politician. Oh, yeah. Just a... a a tick away from being Cersei herself. Yep. You have uh, John, who, while he has maintained something of his his self throughout the show, I think if he does, in fact, have to put down Daenerys, that will strip the last of his humanity yeah. out of him. Yeah. Well, we see that when he, um, the bastard who marries, you know, Sansa, and you know, does all those things to her, we see him right. get him at the end of the Battle of the Bastards and almost beat him to death, right. which is so unlike John. You know, he has to be... That would never have happened prior to this. So I think that you're right. And then we have Bran, who doesn't exist. It's the three well, and, Yeah, and Bran... Yeah, exactly. And the re- and, and the remainder have, have died. They're all dead. Um, they better not kill Ghost, because I will riot. 
Well, it's an interesting thing about the direwolves and the connection to them. Um, I I would like to see. I mean, the show is going to come to an end, and I know there has been some conversation about doing uh, a spinoff mm-hmm. that takes place in a different time and period in that world and yeah. is not connected to the um, rebel- Robert's Rebellion or I think. I don't think it has anything to do with I Robert's Rebellion. I think it's prior to because um, I think it's going to be like back in the day with like Aegon Targaryen the first, right. which I've read that book. But what I would love, because especially because the this show has not had the luxury of touching base on some of these other things i would love the a, a more horror themed version of game of thrones that deals with something like lady stoneheart yeah. and i thought one of my early theories was that was that rob stark would come back as a sort of direwolf human hybrid mm, i mean yeah. there was always the folklore of him yeah, but they I mean, chopped off his direwolf's head and stuck it on top of his so imagine if he gets brought back from the dead and he has the head of a direwolf and the body of a man a true monster at the be- at the uh, bequest of Lady yeah. Stoneheart. At the re- and the creation of the Lannisters and the Freys. That would be interesting. Just roaming the countryside, you know. Eating people. You know, who knows? You could, do, you could do a very dark, gothic sort of version of yeah. Game of Thrones that deals just with the monsters left yeah. behind in the world. Why are we funding this? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I want to see. You know, one of my favorite books, or plays rather, is uh, Rosencrantz and Goldenstein are Dead. Which are, have you ever read or watched? So it's it's basically two two fringe characters from during Hamlet. Oh, okay. And it's a retelling. It's not. It's a retelling of Hamlet through their point of view. Oh, okay. I actually have heard about this when I studied. Hamlet. There's there's a movie that has um oh god I'm think, blanking on names Sirius Black. There's oh, a, that guy. There's a there's an actually a, a movie with Gary Oldman and Tim Roth. That deals with it, and it's it's the events of Hamlet, mm-hmm. but through their vision. Yeah. So you know they come in at different points, and we know this main story that's going on, yeah. but it's their story. And I thought it would be really interesting if Game of Thrones invokes some sort of version of that, but mm-hmm. less comedy and a little bit more horror and scary. Oh yeah, that would actually that would be very interesting. I would like to see that too. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'm I'm sad. I the, the the strange thing is like I really I know that Arya had to become who she became and she was gonna the thing is in the books she was gonna become it anyway right. because we do see her being blind in like we already see her becoming assassin in the books um, I don't know why they had to leave out Lady Stoneheart I, ju- I just don't well, we don't know where it's going yeah at the end of the day we don't know where that storyline yeah. goes so I guess the it you know Arya George R. R. Martin hurry your ass up write the finishing books. Yeah, you've only got four more to catch up. <laughs> I feel like he just couldn't be bothered. He's like, yeah, shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen. They're better. So that's the biggest theory. Do you think George will ever finish his books? I think he, I think that he will have to because he must be sick of getting hate mail by now. I don't think he cares. Probably I mean, doesn't. I, if, he, if he gets sick of the hate mail after the Red Wedding, what makes you think he's going to care? That's true. He's just sitting atop his big pile of money. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. So... For tonight, let's do some snipe predictions. Okay, all right. What do you think happens? Oh God! Who, um, who live? Who dies? Okay, actually, I I did this. Um, there was a Instagram status that offered free things if you get it right. So these are my predictions for deaths. Okay. And mine mine are pretty mine are pretty extended because we okay we have four episodes left. We definitely need to kill off a bunch of main characters because we don't have fucking time for this shit. True. True. Okay. We lose Grey Worm. Because, yeah, yeah. okay, I agree with that. as soon as you make a promise for the future, you're done. You're done, always. Yeah, potentially, I also have a list of people who could potentially die depending on where we go. Potentially, Masande could die as well. Is she around? Yeah, she's around. 
That's who he like. Let's go to. Oh, Melisandre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking. Um, no, not Melisandre. Melisandre. I think she returns. Yeah, because she just kind of was like, I have. She got exiled. No, she's got. She's like, my story is to be finished later, and then she just kind of disappears. She'll come back. I reckon she'll come back during this battle. I reckon she's gonna resurrect someone again. Mm. I reckon John's gonna get resurrected again. You think so? I don't know. I feel like it's time. Mm. Um, but anyway, so. People who are on the people on the playing board, I think definite is Grey Worm, mm-hmm. potentially Masande, but then because if they both die, maybe that's too happy if they both die because they're together. I think it's more torturous if one lives. Yeah. Okay. So I think definitely Grey Worm's dead. I think Gendry. I think Gendry is a potential to die mm-hmm. because where the fuck can he go after this? Unless he wants to throw in his bastard crown, but you know, because we've got Jon Snow. Well, Jon Snow's a trueborn. Daenerys is a trueborn. So he doesn't really have a claim against a trueborn Targaryen. Yeah, and I don't think he would want it. It's no. an, that's an interesting point because he he does often say, "I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Does, does he get the opportunity to, to prove it by dying on battle in some heroic manner? Yeah, I feel like um I feel like his story arc's coming to an end. So he's a I feel like he's a definite. Um, Sir Jorah dies. He's done. Yeah. D- Jorah's dead. I think he does it defending, um, Daenerys. I think he something happens, and I think Daenerys is dead. Uh, not Daenerys, Jorah. And Sam gave him the sword to yeah. keep, and he's like, "I'll see you later." Yeah, so that's a definite. That's like, basically the equivalent of "I'll be back." I'll be right back. Yeah, exactly. So that's done. Um, I think anyone who was focused on in that last song is gone. I think Podrick's done. I think yep. Podrick's done. I think Brienne's done. Mm, um, I'm not sure about Brienne. I think I think that that's why it was so important. I think that um, I think Brienne will die in Jamie's arms. Mm, I think could be. Could be. Jamie's gonna live because he still has to face down with Cersei. Yep, I could see that. Um, Tyrion will live. Yep. Varys could go either way. I think people in the crypts are in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I think they're not gonna be as safe as, yeah. as the one thinks. Yeah, there's dead people down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Gilly might die. Mm. I think Gilly and little Sam might die. Interesting. Yeah, um, because you know Sam needs to stay. Big Sam needs to stay around because he's the one who's going to tell the stories. Right, he lives. He definitely lives. I'll be surprised if he dies. Um, uh, Gron or whatever his name is, the other, you know, the other crow who came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. he's dead. Um, I also believe. What about Tormund? Yeah, Tormund's done. He's gone. We heard that story about Giant's Milk. He's done. See, I I actually could see Brienne living if uh, if I, Tormund I, dies in her. In her for, for to keep her alive. Uh, okay, that would be an interesting one. I always, I always thought that maybe Jamie would live because Brienne died for him. I, I thought I would agree, but yeah. it feels like they keep the you know yeah. they gotta pay off this torment flirt with yeah. Brienne storyline. Maybe he dies to save her and she dies to save... I don't know. I feel like Tormund might be dead. I don't want him to be because I really like I him. I could see them dying in battle together. Yeah, that would be... You yeah. know, surrounded by White Walkers back to back. Yeah. You know. That would be devastating, but, you know, fair. I think um, Davos. So Davos is dead. Uh, I'm not sure if he dies yet. You don't think so? No, he's a slippery one. He is slippery. Um, I just, I don't see, I feel like I actually... Because you got three episodes after this. You got to have some people live. I um, I did see an interesting theory. Now, one reason I disagree, there's a reason I disagree with it and there's a reason I agree with it. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. So they have an ice dragon, right? We yep. have two dragons left. Yep. Danny's favorite dragon definitely lives. I think it's a potential that Rhaegal, the other dragon, might die. In battle, mm. they kill the ice dragon, so the ice dragon's dead, but it comes at the price of the other dragon. However, we have the Targaryen linked to Jon, so they might want to keep that dragon around. I don't know, but I think the favorite dragon, Drogon, lives. Mm. Um, I think that Rhaegal might be in a little bit of trouble, but it, his sacrifice will defeat the ice dragon. 
What do you think about that? I, I it depends on what the about what what the final resolution between Danny and John is. Yeah, and I well, I, but we won't find that out till. Oh, it, there's another theory that the Night King isn't even at this battle. That he's taken like he's gone on to King's Landing because. It can like all you need is an ice dragon and the ice king to go fuck up King's Landing. Like you don't yeah. need a whole army. Yeah, could be. Yeah, could like, be. I think um, I think you're gonna get, I think you're gonna get a resolution to who the Night King is. Yeah, I, I think it's a Stark. I think it's like I think it's one of the early Starks, not Bran the Builder because he built the wall, but oh god, I think he's one of the Starks. I agree. I agree. I think, yeah. you're a lot of re- I think this episode, for as much as it will be battle, it will set you up for the revelations that that are still to be resolved. Yeah. And then, um, and then I think that you get the march to King's Landing to deal with Cersei. Yeah, I um, we didn't see any of Cersei in the last episode. I am interested to see if we will at all. Right. Um, I really think Kyburn. Like, it's funny because I don't. When I binge, like when I first ever, ever, ever saw this, um, I binge watched the first three seasons in literally two days. Don't ask me how I did it, but I did. Right. Three seasons. Sorry, three seasons in two days. Um, But I forgot how they... I forgot. I was like, where the fuck is Kyburn from? Like, why is he so loyal to the Lannisters? And then I remember he was found dying at Harrenhal. Right. He was found on a pile of bodies, like, pretty much dead. Like, he'd been tortured and dead. That's And they saved him and brought him back to life. That's why he's so loyal. I think... I definitely think that um, the Hound lives, because there has to be Clegane Bowl. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have that, that. that. But they might both be dead. That's the other thing, because like Gregor was already the mountain's already dead. Um, but you have to have the resolution of the mountain and the hound. Yeah, so that's still to come. That's still to come. He either I don't, and I don't think it'd be as a White Walker because as a White, as I don't think that that wouldn't. No, really I think be... I think he has to live to move on to the battle with Cersei. Yeah, I think that. Um, oh God, Beric Dondarrion. I think he's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Thoros or whoever the fuck his name is. Lord of Light isn't around to bring him back again. Yeah. I think Melisandre has to make another appearance. I would assume that this would be where she would, yeah. Yeah, I feel like she needs to be there. She's got to be like, I know you hate me, but you're going to need me. Yeah. She might run around like resurrecting a bunch of people. I don't know. And and you know what? Maybe maybe she has a, a large role. Again, I, I, I just keep coming back to the to the fact that things yeah, this is have to begin it. as they have to end yeah. as they begin. She's coming back. Could she bring back Cersei at the price of her being I the Night Queen? I don't think she'd bring back Cersei. I think Mal- No, I think Melisandre, like, her character, while we see her as evil, she burns children, she sure. does, you know, at the end of the day, she's following a prophecy. Right. Um, she's not interested in the intrigues of the world. She doesn't care. Like, she saw in the, and the flames told her wrong, but I think Melisandre is not a person who'd be like, you, you, you know, kicked me out. I'm going to, you know, I, she's not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's she's, she's neither good nor like she is evil in our eyes, but she's neither good nor evil. She's a devout, she's a devout religious person. Yeah. We saw the high sparrow devout religious did some terrible things, but not, you know, True. under the guise of the Lord. So They're religious zealots. Exactly. So they don't, it's not to them. It's not right or wrong. So I think that she's still going to be loyal to John regardless um, because she does think that he's Azora's eye. So I think that we're going to see... She's going to come into play somewhere. Maybe she even resurrects, like... I don't know. She's going to resurrect someone important or just be there. That's my theory. Well, well, we're... we're At the time of recording this, we are a mere five and a half hours away. <laughs> so... Um... That was a dragon screech. <laughs> Do you like my dragon screech? That was great. So, so Monday, when everyone else hears this, you'll you'll know what, as we know. Yeah. And so... Uh... I reckon Brand... Oh, Theon's dead. Theon's dead. Yeah, Theon has to die Theon's for Sansa. Dead. 
Yeah, no, I think he dies for um, I think he dies for Bran. He goes to protect Bran. Remember? Could be, could be. Yeah, but, he's dead. But we'll find out soon. Yeah. Soon, the the epic conclusion yeah. to the Battle of Winterfell yeah. potentially happens to uh, in five hours. Me. So, everyone who is listening, let us know what you think happens. What you thought about tonight's episode? What you think will happen in the final three episodes? And remember, winter is here. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Not Today Death Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.